So you've actually taken photographs around corners? Very simple photographs, but yes. Until that moment, it never occurred to me that pregnancy tests are completely inaccessible for blind people. We'll see after 5G is being rolled out. That's going to allow our users to live life a little bit more independently. We can see through frosted glass. Maybe we can see through chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Whatever Next, your brand new go-to podcast for all things tech and 5G. I'm Dr Hannah Fry. And I'm Dr Susie Ruffle. You're not a doctor. This is the show that filters the gimmicks from the game changers. Each episode we take on a different subject, from apps that help the blind to see, to mind control gaming. Uh, Susie? And breakthroughs that are happening at this very moment, this very moment right now. Susie, you're not a doctor. Hannah, can you not, please? I want the people at Samsung to think that we're both pretend doctors. I am a real doctor. And this week's subject is photography. Okay, fine. A camera with superpowers. Whatever next. I want to tell you about a totally mind-bending new technology that I think could be a real game-changer for medical imaging. Okay, tell me about it. Okay, all right. So let's imagine that you are standing on one side of some frosted glass mm -hmm. and you're looking through the glass at someone else, okay? So you can see a bit, right? You can see sort of the outline of a person. Maybe you can see some colour, that kind of thing. But the image is going to be really blurry. Yeah. And the reason it's blurry... The light still passes through, but the frosted glass, it acts a bit like a scrambler. It sort of scrambles the light, sends it off in loads of different directions so that, that you can't comprehend the message on the other side. You can't get a full idea of what's through the glass. Okay. Are you with me? Yeah, but I don't know what this has got to do with medical imaging. Okay, okay. Let's get Ori Katz to explain. So he's an associate professor. He heads up the Advanced Imaging Lab at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. If you can think about it, a frosted glass or a skin is not really losing information, it's just scrambling it. So it's sort of a code, sort of as if it's an encrypted message. And the key is to finding how to decrypt this blurry message. Okay, so here's the idea. If you take a picture of the light, once it's come through the frosted glass, if you can unscramble the message, if you can kind of reverse back the path that each bit of light went, then you could effectively take a perfect photograph of what was on the other side of that glass. It sounds like magic, right? It does kind of sound like magic. So it turns out Ori Katz is actually a wizard because he can do this. Wow! I mean, it's, it's, it's slightly mad. So what they do is they worked out a way that they can take loads and loads of photographs of something through frosted glass. Yes. And then they use an algorithm to de-scramble it, basically, to put it all back together to give them essentially a camera that can take photographs through frosted glass. Um, anyway, it turns out the actual scientists in this, they had another idea because one day they were like, okay, hang on a second. If we can see through frosted glass, then maybe we can see through something more organic, right? Like maybe we can see through chicken. <laughs> <laughs> This is a true story. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, just the idea of people being like, do you know what we need to look through? Some chicken. So what okay, they, but they wait, went, but wait, but wait. Okay. So they went to the butchers, got so some chicken. They literally went to the butchers and got some chicken and they cut it up and they gave it a go to see if they could take photographs through bits of chicken. And it totally worked. They could literally take images of text and objects through the other side of these thin slices of chicken and it worked perfectly well. Okay. So here's the thing. 
if this technique can take photographs through chicken, then it can also take photographs through human skin, which means that you can use this technology to take actual photographs inside your body. Here's Ori Katz. The holy grail in our field is to have a microscope that could appear through tissue, that could see through your skin. For example, today, if you want to look into your body, if you have a suspected piece of tissue, you usually have to do a biopsy. You take, it, take this piece out invasively and then just look at it with a microscope, with a regular microscope. If we could do that without having to do this invasive procedure, this would be the dream. Right, so the idea then, you go into the doctor, you've got a mole, you're like, is this dodgy? And whereas before you'd have to go and have it cut out and then like someone would have to slice it up and look at it through a microscope. Now, the idea behind this is that actually you can just use an adapted normal camera to take photographs in the layers of your skin beneath it to see if there are any cancerous cells there. That is incredible. It's cool, isn't it? It's amazing. Yeah. So I should tell you, this only works for the first few millimetres, maybe up to a centimetre, into your body. And that's because that's as far as light goes, right? So if you think about it, if you close your eyes, even in a really bright room, it doesn't go completely dark. You can still see there's light coming through your eyes. Yes. So light does go through skin, but just not very far. So this essentially works as far as light goes. So this could totally change how medicine is done, like waiting times, people finding out immediately if they've got something wrong with them putting people's minds at rest. This is really, like, groundbreaking stuff. The state of the art at the moment is where you combine this sort of algorithm that stitches these photographs together through scattered light with an ultrasound, and then the ultrasound acts as sort of like a focus and lets you go a bit deeper into the body. So Ori Katz and his team realised one day that actually, if there was something on the other side of a wall, just, you know, around a corner, somehow that light is going to be bouncing onto the wall and to your position. So you can use this technology to take photographs around corners. Scattering is all around us, actually. Everything that you see, in a sense, is scattering. Otherwise, you won't see it. When you look around you, you just look at the wall just in front of you. The fact that it's white, it's actually scattering. And we realized that we could use a wall and undo the scattering of the wall and use a wall as a mirror to look around the corner, which was really, for us, this was mind-blowing. So you've actually taken photographs around corners? Um, yes. Again, very simple photographs, but yes. this is You just point a regular camera on a wall. You take an image which looks completely blurry. You know, if you look at the wall, it looks only white. But the small details with the right configurations, and we could read a few letters that are, you know, around the corner. We couldn't see them directly. They are sort of in the, in the corridor, let's say. Okay. I'm getting some of this, mm -hmm. but what I don't understand, so the, the round the corners thing, okay, so if I'm taking a photo directly ahead of me, mm -hmm. if I can take a photo round a corner, is it that the, the light is bouncing off the wall and I'm taking a picture of the light, actually? Yes, exactly that. So if you're taking a picture of something directly in front of you, then it's that light is coming from that object into your camera lens, right? Direct line. If something was round a corner... But on the edge of the corner, there was a mirror. You could also imagine taking that photo, right? So, okay, I should say they're not taking photos of like, you couldn't be standing there with like a really elaborate scene, you know, with like a little cocktail with an umbrella and like, you know, holding a pom-pom or whatever. It wouldn't be able How to have you seen that photo of me? I just imagine that's the kind of person you are. Yeah. <laughs> but they can do things like uh, write some text around a wall and then take a photograph. Okay, here's my question. Mm -hmm. Why? What, round the corner? Yeah, why would we want to use this? Okay, so imagine if you were in the army. Okay. And you wanted to see what was around the corner. 
Yeah, that, in, that, in that scenario, it feels like it would be very, very useful. Or if you wanted to see through fog or yes. smoke. Yes. All of those things would be pretty useful. But in terms of a more civilian application, if you were driving a car, say, and you wanted to check around a corner... Yeah, this is all making sense. Mm. It's good, isn't it? It is. It's really impressive. Yeah. And it's a real gaze into the future of what camera phones would be able to do. I did want to find out what amazing things are happening right now with camera phones. And I've done a bit of research this week. Oh, yeah. Now, did you know that there's over 2 million people living in the UK with sight loss? Gosh, that's an incredibly high number. Yeah, it's a lot of people. And I had an amazing conversation with Alex Jensen, who's the CCO of Be My Eyes. Be My Eyes? Yes. What's that? Um, Do you know what? I'm going to let him explain in his very silky voice. Eyes is a free mobile application that connects people who are blind or have low vision or need visual assistance with both sighted volunteers and company representatives through live video. So it's a free mobile app. As with a lot of people around the world, we are very, very excited about 5G and where we think it's going to affect Eyes and the low vision community at large is reliability and quality. Okay, so... Be My Eyes, this is how it works. You download it as a volunteer or as a user. And if you're a user, you're someone that's blind or partially sighted. And if you're a volunteer, you're sighted. You download it and basically just wait for someone to ring you. A blind person could ring you through the app. And often it's really simple things that they need help with. So it might be something like, is my milk off? Does this veg look okay to eat? Could you tell me if my computer's doing something? Or does this shirt match these trousers? But basically, it's a way for blind and partially sighted people to have more independence and sort of calling on a stranger that's going to be a friend within the space of a quick phone call. When it comes up on your phone then, it's just like a video call. Yeah. And they're like, hang on, let me show you this. Exactly that. What's exactly the date that. On this milk? Exactly that. So that's yeah. Such a good idea. It's such a good idea. I was blown away by this. What he found is that often blind or partially sighted people feel like they're constantly asking their friends for help. And this way, mm. you know that someone has volunteered. They want to be able to help you. So you don't feel like you're sort of putting upon anyone. You're not calling your sighted friend 15 times a day being like, yeah, but what about this shirt? What about what about this pair of trousers? And I love that you say day-to-day because it's not just for day-to-day help. Sometimes people got pretty special phone calls. Listen to this. We got a tweet a few months ago that I think captures the power of technology and human generosity in a really nice way. And if it's okay, I'm just going to read it out. It's from a guy called Jonathan, and he tweets, I love how tech makes seemingly impossible tasks possible. This morning, using the Be My Eyes app, I was able to independently navigate a huge cemetery to take flowers to my dad's grave. And then a photo of the tombstone. And when I read this tweet, I got chills. This is a very, of course, a very emotional moment in a person's life and a moment that you might want to have all by yourself. You might not want to rely on friends or family members when having such an intimate moment. So the fact that a guy like Jonathan can rely on a friendly stranger from somewhere in the world to do something like this is um, makes it all worth it. And it's it's really nice to know that these types of interactions happen thousands and thousands of times every single day. 
That's just so lovely. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I think he said something really interesting there about how you don't want to share such an intimate moment with close family and friends. And that's true, actually. You know, as a fully sighted person, you can have that moment in complete private. But when you need support to be able to just do something as simple as find your father's tombstone, actually having access to strangers, there's something very human about that, isn't there? And they were actually blown away by how many people did sign up. They initially thought that it would be a bit of an issue trying to get enough volunteers. But in the end, it really wasn't. So we had some concerns before launching. It's like, why would people actually sign up? But as I said, that concern was turned to shame even in the first day. And today we have more than 4.2 million volunteers around the world who have signed up. We'll see after 5G is really being rolled out. That's going to allow our volunteers to do a much better job and at the end of the day, allow our users to live life a little bit more independently. I love this so much. You signed up as well, haven't you? Yeah, I've signed up. I'm waiting for it. No one's called yet, but I'm excited to be a member because I think it's an amazing thing. I think it would just make your day as well, wouldn't it? So much of it is, of course, about helping blinded or partially sighted people. But I think if and when I get a phone call, I know it's just going to totally make my day. Mm. I'm going to be delighted that this app can help me do a good deed. And actually, Alexander told me that one of the volunteers described it as a good deed waiting in your pocket. Oh, that's nice. And I just loved that. That's lovely. These people, though, okay, so the 4.2 million volunteers, they're all around the world. Alexander told me about the fact they're partnering with companies that have specific services, like, for example, Clearblue, so after people have done a pregnancy test. If you think of a pregnancy test, that is a device that is designed completely inaccessible. You need to see one line or you need to see two lines. But if you can't see, how would you ever get that information privately? So now women who need visual assistance can go call Clearblue directly through the Be My Eyes app, allowing them to get their results anonymously and securely without having to involve friends and family. You know, I feel quite bad about this, but until that moment, I'd never, it never occurred to me that pregnancy tests are completely inaccessible for blind people, that they would have to involve a sighted friend and thus give away the information before they necessarily wanted to. Absolutely. And that is what Be My Eyes are doing. They're allowing people to not only make things more accessible and to make people live more independent lives, but also giving people that extra bit of privacy that they might not normally have if they need to call on a friend or a family member. So there is a man that's taking this technology to another level. I spoke to Alberto Rizzoli, who was inspired to develop an app to help the visually impaired after his friend was blinded in an accident. Some teams on our platform are using this visual technology to improve the chances of in vitro fertilization to to succeed. It's a difficult science and it requires a keen eye under an incubator to make sure that essentially we can have children in a healthy way for people who are struggling otherwise. And AI and vision AI is able to see within an incubator what eggs are and what embryos are going to be the most successful for life and essentially creating new human beings eventually. The other thing that I think is really important to note is that this is going to be really affordable. IVF is so expensive. Mm. It's so, so expensive. And then it takes a massive toll on your body. It takes a massive toll on your emotional well-being and your mental well-being. And so because this tech will have a higher success rate, it's going to be more possible for more people. Because you can go through all of that and then at the end 
it still fail? Absolutely. I've got friends that have spent thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds on on not getting pregnant, which yeah. is, you know, it's heartbreaking. Mm. So this is talking about sort of cameras quite specifically looking at these cells and, you know, finding out which, which ones are most viable. But V7 are also talking about cameras all over the lab and how this can stop human error. So really simple things like leaving a fridge door open or like putting a Petri dish in the wrong place. Like, where, where would you put a Petri dish? You know, I'm not that kind of doctor, don't you? I don't understand what you do. <laughs> All right. Um, do you know about immersive postcards? Ah, I know a little bit about this. Is this where you scan yourself and put yourself on holiday? Sort of. I'll tell you what, I have brought in Steve Jelly from Dimension Studios to explain. Okay, Steve, let's start at the beginning. Who are you and what is Dimension? So I'm Steve Jelly and I'm Joint Managing Director of Dimension Studios. And we're a volumetric production studio, which sounds odd, <laughs> but uh, we create next generation entertainment, basically. Okay, what, so vol- volumetric capture, is this what we're talking about? Yes, we make XR content, so that's virtual reality, augmented reality content. We make digital humans, I suppose. Um, like avatars. Like avatars or holograms. So think Princess Leia as per Star Wars. We have four stages around the world and we record all sorts of people as holograms. Like who? Like who? Well, Madonna was probably our most famous person who came down to the studio and she did that so that she could dance with herself at the Billboard Awards last year. So So Madonna dancing with herself. I didn't see that. What what, what happened? Well, it was when she was launching her Colombian track. Okay. um, And she wanted to dance with looks that she'd had from around the years uh, so there was the sort of the bride there was the all sorts of different oh, with personas the, the cone, the yeah. cone boobs pointy bra yeah uh, actually not that one but oh. um, some of the other ones did she do um, the saucy one where she was just covered in gaffer tape <laughs> she came down and she she recorded these looks precisely with all of the choreography that she knew she was going to do on stage six weeks later at the billboard awards then she danced with her own holograms on stage which is incredible. So, okay, if you can do that then, if you can take a 3D image of somebody dancing around, doing whatever, does that mean that you can put them wherever you want them? Can you just sort of embed them in any other scene? Drop them in. Drop them in. in. Can I I have Madonna dancing on my hand? (laughs) Yes, you could do. Yes, exactly. So once we have a three-dimensional video, you can put it into a 3D scene which you you know, film, you can have it on AR on your mobile phone. This is augmented reality. Augmented reality, yeah. So you can bring digital content like the 3D hologram and we could display that on this desk here. Or you could put on a virtual reality headset and see that performance in VR. So you can go into a 3D world, you know, with a virtual human in it. And And that's great because it feels like you're actually meeting the person. That's amazing. And does volumetric capture mean that you can capture areas as well as people? Like if you wanted to create a game that was in London, say, could you go and take 360 videos of all of that? We've been doing that for a long time. So you can go to a location, like we recently went to the Isle of Skye, or actually one of our artists, Craig, went on holiday and he scans the whole of the mountains with 10,000 photographs and then we compute them together and create a virtual world that you can walk around in VR or you can use as a movie backdrop which is what we did a few weeks ago. Do you know what when I went on my honeymoon don't like to brag was to the Seychelles. uh, Or you thought the whole time was I wish I had a hologram of Susie Ruffle here. (laughs) 
<laughs> that was Steve could have helped with that. <laughs> it was on the list. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Um, just quite far down. Um, <laughs> but you know, you take those panoramic photos. Yes. So I took one of those. This incredible beach it was like really peaceful and very beautiful. Took some of these panoramic photos of it, and then like when we go through our holiday stamps, it's like oh, I kind of pretend we're there. But what you're talking about is like that plus plus plus. Yeah, you actually feel like you're there. So it, the way we think about it is we create 3D content that you can walk around it in VR or you can fly a camera around it, you know, and it's completely realistic because that's what we do. And it takes a lot of effort and a lot of skills to do that. The amazing thing about it is that once you've done that, you can then move anywhere in that environment. Like so, that's the sense of a space that you get. It's not just like looking at a photograph. You really feel like you're there. You feel like you're there. So now I'm thinking about like my childhood home, for example. Say the day that we moved out, you could go and film all of it, film every aspect of it. And then you've always got that. So if you're ever feeling a bit nostalgic, you could oh just gosh. pop your VR headset on and all of a sudden you're sort of comforted by your childhood bedroom. Yeah, no, that's exactly that's exactly what you can do. So whether you're capturing the world, you know, and you're capturing it as it was, you know, we're using that so that you can use these scenes as backdrops on massive LED walls and you can shoot drama in front of them. So there was an example published recently which had the Trevi Fountain in uh, Florence and they'd used photogrammetry to reconstruct it. So yeah, it was a 3D version of that. But they'd use tourist photos because it gets photographed all the time. Ah. And they'd train some AI to actually reconstruct it as the model. Stitch everything together. Stitch everything together. So if somebody else has been there and taken lots of snaps, I think these kinds of tourist landmarks are going to become available as 3D scenes very quickly. Oh, wow. How is AI used in what you do? So AI is used quite a lot both in virtual humans and in creating virtual worlds. Well, first thing to say is that we're not doing anything to do with general artificial intelligence. You know. There's no superhuman machines that are no, no. <laughs> demonstrating consciousness or anything. We're, we're trying to make computers sort of more intelligent mm. in terms of what they're looking at. So because we're all about photorealism, a lot of what we're doing is trying to tell computers how to recognize the human form in 3d at high accuracy and that's very very difficult if you think about it because it's like well you might be able to tell a human so that you can reconstruct a 3d human from that but things like clothing is really difficult to sort of ascertain for a computer you know is it an arm or a leg computers don't know this and facial expressions what do they mean so we use a lot of ai to sort of create that it's interesting because we capture a lot of data. We also create training sets to train neural rendering that we use to try and hallucinate the form of our subjects. Filling in the gaps. Like. Yeah, exactly. Or in some cases, actually recreating it from just a sparse camera view. Mm. So I was surprised to read that hallucination is now a technical term because there's very sparse information fed to some of these neural rendering programs. Okay, um, so for an example then, so let's say you've got the Trevi Fountain, you've got tons of tourist photographs all over the place, but there's a gap where there's no information, there's photos missing, there's a big hole in it. You can use AI to imagine what might be in that hole. Exactly, yeah, and you need to imagine it at all of the levels that makes up a 3D model. So you need to know, you know, its topology, you need to know its colour, you need to know all sorts of things Because you've got it. to be able to go all the way around it exactly. and be able to see it look naturally in place, Yeah, no matter what angle you look at it from. Exactly. So it's a bit like 
like my phone is very good at producing beautiful photos that have nothing to do with me because they're trained on neural networks that approximate what a good photo is supposed to look like. What you do know. you mean is in like the modes where it blurs the background? Exactly, yeah. So these are all filters that are constructed through artificial intelligence. We're trying to do the same in 3D, I suppose. There's also those TikTok filters. Exactly. Do you play on TikTok? No. God, I'm obsessed with it. Are you? God. Are you aware you're in your late 30s? <laughs> Mid-30s? Right. <laughs> um, I can feel that this is going to really change the future of filmmaking. If you can create sets anywhere. Yeah, well, that's pretty much what I've been doing for the last few months, actually, along with quite a lot of other people in our company. Because obviously, we were looking at ways of creating these virtual sets and displaying them on massive, you know, LED walls so that you could shoot your movie inside a soundstage. And we were looking at that initially out of sustainability reasons, like a couple of years ago. It doesn't make sense to fly 200 people around the world to 30 locations to make your uh, movie makes even less sense to film your advert for a sustainable product. And um, and then with the pandemic, this became really urgent, is that, you know, it was the only way we could shoot certain things. We can't go to Venice and shoot outside. So the promise of all of this is you can make a movie and sleep in your own bed. <laughs> Delightful. So what's, <laughs> I want to know what the future is looking like. What are you guys looking forward to that maybe is not quite within your grasp yet? but you can see it happening. So imagine that my actors are, one of them's at a soundstage in Uxbridge and the other one's at somewhere posher in LA. <laughs> posher than Uxbridge, surely I not. I can't Uxbridge. imagine it. <laughs> and they're connected over the fast internet, like 5G to do that, and they're able to perform with each other in the same virtual space. Now that's something that we Instant. have made work instantly. And we've made that work so far with them acting as sort of game characters. But imagine if they could actually be doing that and that's how you could shoot your movie. You know, we have the same set in two places and then we can record our movie together with actors wherever they are. Do you think this sort of changes... I mean, so, okay, for starters, the sustainability issue, I think, is massive, right? Like, you don't have to buy people around the world to collaborate anymore. But also, I think it just, like, it changes the whole reason to live or the pressure of living in cities, right? Suddenly, if you can live in the middle of the countryside and still be able to perform your job as though you lived in central London or central LA, I think that just will change your physical landscape, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, I think so. And I think that people have seen that since the pandemic. Everyone's starting to think, I'd like to live in the country. Mm. (laughs) The things like this are going to make it really possible. Yeah, and I think we're seeing studios all over the UK. It's not just London or Uxbridge. It's, um, you know, Manchester, Edinburgh, all of these places are having these kind of places. You've still got to collaborate and you've still got to film something and things like that. So you're still going to have people on set doing what they've always done. If you think about the direction of travel for all of this, it's that I'm going to be able to create a virtual set just using my phone. I'm going to be able to record my performance just using my phone. Then I'm going to be able to jam with my friends anywhere in the world and I'm going to be able to live where I want. That's quite a nice view of the future, isn't it? Yeah, it's not bad at all. Steve, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay, Susie, is there something that you wish you'd never lost? Yes, I. there's a picture that I can think of that is me on my nan's lap and I don't know where it ended up. Oh. Yeah. Lost forever. 
I, maybe it might be in my mum and dad's attic somewhere, but it might be lost forever, which is a bit gutting. Okay, well, I would like you to meet someone who okay. potentially has a, a, a solution for that going forward in the future. Um, this is Vishal Kumar, who is a cultural data scientist and CEO of Photogram. Vishal, tell us about what you do. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of Photogram. Photogram's a computational photography startup that's actually incubated and based at the UCL hatchery, so the UCL incubator. I founded the company around 13, 14 months ago with my co-founder, Liam Donovan, and we are building the Alice camera. The Alice camera is an AI camera for content creators, targeted mainly at kind of YouTubers, TikTokers, people who create digital content or high-quality digital content on a daily basis. So, yeah, that's that's what we're doing. Okay, let's start from the beginning then. So, all right, I want to become a big TikTok star, say, just fantasy. I'm not saying a thing. <laughs> I'm not saying a thing. Why can't I just use my phone? So the phone will probably get you quite far. If you're starting off uh, as a hobbyist, you'll probably get to 5,000, 10,000, followers and that and that's totally fine and your smartphone's probably totally fine to do that but when you move into the kind of millions if you look at people like Emma Chamberlain or Marcus Brownlee or, or some of the other influencers they don't use smartphones even though the capabilities of smartphones are great when they speak to all their TikTok and YouTube friends all of them are using fancy video cameras or DSLR cameras. And the reason for that is the imaging sensor on these pro cameras are really big. So you've got a huge imaging sensor. So the kind of resolution of the images is much greater, but also you can put better glass in front of that sensor so you can attract higher quality light. So um, lenses? Lenses, yes, yeah, exactly. But also presumably you can change the lens depending on what you're taking a photo of. So if you're taking a photo of a bumblebee or, I don't know, a big landscape, you can swap out the lens. Exactly. You can use a macro lens to get really zoomed in on, on certain things or you can use a zoom lens, which you can look at things from a distance. For a lot of people, you know, DSLR or pro cameras were really popular uh, in 2010. So I think 120 million digital cameras were sold wow. in 2010. That's the same year Instagram was founded. But their market has massively collapsed in the last decade. So by the end of 2019, less than 19 million uh, digital cameras were sold worldwide. And, you know, not everyone wants to carry around a lens. And they've lost out hugely to smartphones because your average user will use a smartphone and that's totally fine for them. But when it comes to creating income generating content on YouTube or if you're doing a vlog of, of where you're going on holiday, it's really likely that you want to use a professional quality device. And so for, for a lot of people that are creating kind of high quality content and getting paid for it, they will still use uh, these kind of pro cameras. So Alice is taking the lens <laughs> of one of these types of cameras and just basically putting on a smartphone. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so I mean, I'm sure there's a more technical way of describing that. I don't think but... so. The problem we're trying to address really is that we don't think that these cameras are really fit for purpose. They're not really suitable for our world of image sharing, mainly because they are using technology from a decade ago. The menu systems are really antiquated and hard to navigate. I can't edit images on my mirrorless camera. I can't live stream it or kind of put it straight to Instagram. I can't live stream onto YouTube. And the main reason is because it's a mechanical device. They have very basic computer chips. They don't operate as computers. Whereas Alice is a computer. It's an AI accelerated computational camera, which is a bit of a mouthful. So we call it Alice. <laughs> <laughs> the viewfinder is the smartphone. It is the screen. And so you're using a really high quality screen. You don't necessarily need to have the smartphone on the back of Alice, which is quite cool. You can have Alice mounted on that table just over there and you could have your smartphone in your hand and see 
the kind of the angles and, and see if everything's in focus and stuff like or that. Or if you were working with like a photographer and a creative director, the photographer could be taking the pictures and someone else could be looking at it Absolutely. and getting the image that they want. Do you think this is the vision of the future of photography then? Or is there, are there other things that we have to look forward to? So the vision of photography is that we should be able to stream high quality content in real time when we want. I can't currently do that with my mirrorless camera. And one of the things that we want to use 5G technology in particular to do with Alice is to stream high quality content on the go. So this could be really valuable and important for photojournalism mm. or for reporting or for people who just want to stream onto YouTube because, for example, they're doing a podcast and they have to stream it right now to their audience in LA or whatever it might be. And not just that, so that the streaming element is really interesting when you don't have Wi-Fi technology and you're kind of out and about. But another really cool area that we see where Alice can tap into, and this might not be for another couple of years now, but we're interested and excited about kind of mixed reality and real-time rendering of augmented reality assets. So imagine that I'm shooting Hannah and Susie in this kind of studio, but what if I want to render a kind of augmented reality creature in the scene? <laughs> uh, you can't do that with, with this at the moment. And you, you can do it with your smartphone. But what we want to do with Alice is to be able to transfer that digital asset into the scene using perhaps 5G technology, but to start to have really interesting photographs, but also videos where you kind of mix together the real world and the augmented world. So that's really exciting. That's really interesting. And, and it's one of the things that we want to tap into with 5G. And to do that, you need that incredibly quick connection between your device and the cloud. Absolutely. Yeah, we need to be able to not only bring that 3D asset into the scene, but to render it into the scene. And visual effects is also another area. So the film Avatar, for example, is filmed with video cameras, but all the characters are wearing like kind of suits and, and little like bits morph and bobs. suits, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and it's kind of green in the background. And what you do in post processing is that you apply the visual effects onto the person. We could map you using AI, uh, computer vision, and we can then throw the kind of visual effects and assets onto you and render in real time directly on Alice. And that's really exciting. And to tap into that into the future is, is really cool. Oh, he's good, isn't he? He's very good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> You have been listening to Whatever Next with me, Dr. Susie Ruffle. Mm, and with me, real doctor, Hannah Fry. A huge thank you to all the experts and guests from this week's episode. This podcast was brought to you by Samsung. We will see you next time on Whatever Next. <laughs>